victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Well, in the weeks leading up to November 19th, the start of this current, or gone now, most recent A-League men's season, I don't think anyone not wearing a green and black jersey, either professionally or as a fan, would have given Western United a shot or their tip as winner of the 2021-22 A-League Men's Grand Final. But it doesn't matter because they've done it. They have done it. Western United 2-0 over Melbourne City in the A-League Men's Grand Final. History being made, their first ever championship in just their third season of existence. It was quite an occasion. Jason Goldsmith. Hello, Lockie. Yeah, it was. They were the better team on the night. They had the better finals campaign out of anyone. And um, a master class in coaching from Johnny Aloisi. And congrats to all involved with Western United. Um, magnificent effort. Third season. And they've uh, taken home the toilet seat. It's pretty well, impressive. Well, I, I said that, that all, the, all the pundits, all the important people, even unimportant people, wouldn't have maybe given Western United a sniff of generating this time, uh, this kind of a result. Back in November, did did they figure in your estimations as a as a team who would who would go the stretch? No, I think um, for for mine it was you know they've recruited a bit of a dad's army in terms of uh, their list, and only really Jamie Young was the the older guy that stayed on the park mm-hmm. towards the end of it, and he proved what an absolute, absolutely outstanding goalkeeper he is. Indeed. He probably had the final series of of all final series if you look at some of his saves. Um, but we'll go back a week, maybe, and you're a bit of a Nostradamus then, Lockie. You basically tipped the the tactics, the score, the medalist, the winners. You got it all. Yeah, well, I look, I, you know what they say about broken clocks, Jason? They are right <laughs> twice a day. And uh, that was one of my two for the day that time around. Yeah, so I'll pretty- take it. Lord knows I've said far worse things, <laughs> uh, made far worse predictions. But yeah, um, look, I, I, I'm pretty sure I did say without having listened back to it myself that the first goal was always going to be pretty decisive and in this game earliest one in history. and I, ju- and I just didn't yep. know that it would happen that quickly and I think that that was while I would have been interested to see how the game panned out if it didn't happen yep. that that outcome I think was was perfect perfect for Western United and they did exactly what they needed to do what from that point onwards what they've done most seasons they get an early lead and they defend it but you know yeah it was a minute 40 or something they got the corner yeah um an own goal against uh, Nuno Race, but um, uh, if you look back and, and watch that, Alex, they, that, that was Priovic's goal because they, he was the target man and there was four defenders around him in Melbourne City. They knew that's where they're going. Yeah. yeah, And, yeah, as you said, he was instrumental in that. He was my prediction for, for, for the Johnny Warren going into it. No, and Joe Marston. Joe the Marston. Joe Marston, yes, yes sir. Yep. Well, he's my prediction for the Johnny <laughs> Warren as well. He was that good. Um, he, could, he could have won it. Anyway. Uh, he was my prediction for the the Joe Marston. And, I mean, while he maybe faded a little bit in the last 20 minutes of the game, he was truly he was instrumental. Yeah. And and even the second finish, controversial initially, though it may have been VAR eventually uh, proving that it was very much onside. Yeah. And actually, I've got to say, well done to the VAR for running it so efficiently this mm-hmm. time. It was, it was very nice. It was very refreshing, quite enjoyable. We did a really good job. But... um. 
the the way I I said it um, on Twitter at the time was that's exactly what you get these kind of strikers in to do. It wasn't a chance of um, the highest quality in terms of uh, a team you know, conception of a, of a move or anything like that. But the ball fell to him. It was fortuitous. There might have been a question of, of offside. He could have been distracted by that yep. question. But he just turned the ball into the back of the net without even taking a second thought. Yep. And that's exactly what you need from a visa striker. And throughout the stretch of the final series, obviously player of the match in the grand final, but I think he was player of the whole the whole series for me. The amount of times he popped up with important goals, um, his positional play allowing other players to get into goal-scoring positions, I just don't think anyone else uh, had a more sizable impact on their team or on Western than, than he. Maybe maybe the bloke at the other end with the gloves on. Yeah, I, would, that, I, would, no, I would argue that's true. Um, because uh, if you look go back to the elimination final and Jamie Young mm. save, that's what gets them through to the the playoff with a victory. Uh, yeah, but other side other side of the coin, yeah. no one else on that on that pitch was was getting the fine kind of finish that Alex Prebich no, was no, able no, to no, find. No, 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 I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that he was also in the in the conversation. No, no, that's I agree. So with Pre- you on and Prebich kicks the fir- scores the first two for um, Western United against. Uh, Melbourne victory in the in the second leg, which is basically wins them that that, yeah. that to take them through, mm-hmm. and then yeah, um, City knew it. There were that there was four four guys. All the big fellas jumped up with Previc at that first corner and and couldn't stop him, basically having the influence that it's going that it was going in, um, and and from there scoring the second, which turned out to be the the final goal. It was um. It was the perfect performance. They got the lead early and they held on to it. And if you look at the stats, they had one corner for the game, and that was that one in the in the first minute and a half. Yeah, well, I mean the the final the final stat sheet from from this game did have City having uh, 60 odd percent possession. I think it was sixty three. The final tally: yeah. uh, sixteen shots across the ninety. Only one shot on target inside the first half, though. Yeah. Is that stat sheet? Uh, does that stat sheet well it suggests that that City ran them quite close despite the scoreline? Is that consistent with what no, you no, saw no, no, on no. the day? You and I were both. I don't think it was. No, not at all. You and I were both there. They were stale. They were stale, mm. right? And they were two 0 down after thirty minutes. So they should have been chasing the game, and and tactically they didn't do much to try and change things up. It's, it's like it's it's quite disappointing. I was sitting at the City end, um, having watched the grand final and being there last year when they didn't have. Their front um, didn't have any of their Socceroos available. They were missing what? Good Metcalf, um, McLaren, Naboot was injured, wasn't in the squad, mm. and they had to change things up. And they changed things up and had things that were a little bit unexpected. They had a little bit of pace, a little bit of ball control, and a few match winners. And you talk of their last year's finals campaign. It was Tilio and Kolakowski, and come this uh, grand final. Tilio is the one that ch- changed the game. We talked about in the, in the second leg of the semi against Adelaide for them to get to the yeah. grand final. Tilio was the, the one that changed things up. He's in the soccer squad. He's that impact player. He makes a difference. It took way too long to bring him on. Yeah. He couldn't make an impact. He came on at seven, 70 minutes or maybe it was 65, even whatever it was. They made a switch at half time. It was 66. 66. 66. Okay. He needed to be on at half time. They're 2 0 down at half time and they're chasing yeah. the game. He needed to come on. Well, and, and you talk about the impact that he made when he was given that chance in the grand final last year yeah. and last week against Adelaide. The yeah. substitution that was made 
in around a similar time of the game, around 60, 60 70 minutes in the semi-final against Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Roston Griffiths and Tilio both coming on yep. in tandem with one another. Yep. We saw that really, really work well. And while I think it was more to do with Tilio than it was to do with Griffiths, uh, Patrick Isnobo was very fervent in his praise for both those players and what they brought to the team. And yet only uh, one of them came into the starting 11, and that was Griffiths. And I, I just... You say you say that he, he should have been uh, on at halftime. I think he should have been starting to begin with. Yeah, and it, yeah. It, it, it was it, very pedestrian in terms of the coaching selector. Sorry, Tim. No, no. Finish, but I just it seemed pedestrian. It's like this is what's got us through most of the season having that front three, but they have been quite um, pretty much out of form going into it. And then the X factors that made the changes in these finals this year and, and last year, and the ones that they needed, they didn't do. And then the fact that they made a change, Kisnorma made a change at half time. So he took off uh, Jenkinson for Galloway. Galloway gives you a few. He actually had a couple of shots. Yeah, in the a bit more half. of that um, inverted kind of movement, I guess. Jenkinson, Jenkinson's been good all season. I mean, he's a, like he is a consummate professional. He's a pro. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah, do, he's doesn't a good do, He doesn't do things wrong, but he doesn't provide that spark, which is what they needed. No. So uh, that change for Galloway was good. But then they left Kolakovsky and Boss on the on the bench as well. Like he made the three subs, he made three cha- three players, yeah. right? Instead of some double changes and the rest of it. But so also, also, how much can you really hope for a singular fullback, important or useful in an attacking sense, though he may be, mm. um, to to change, change a game? The game. Yeah, a, a fullback, yeah. and there's a reason that so many uh, Australian players that are young, the most position in which they're most likely to get minutes is in fullback, it's probably because it's at times can be the position of like lowest risk in Australian football. That's a place where you can put them and they maybe, if they make a mistake, uh, in a fullback slot, possibly doing the, the yeah. least uh, amount of damage. I think that, and, you know, a lot of Australian players are fast physical players and that's yeah. a good good qualities to have as a, as a fullback. I don't think that's a coincidence. But I want to go back to the Tilio thing because it really, really aggravated me and this is as someone who didn't have a horse in the race mm-hmm. on the day obviously I have people that I like from both sides and yep. maybe some from both sides that I dislike as well yes but I couldn't believe after the impact he had in that semi-final against Adelaide that he wasn't starting this game now the the logic I can understand or the logic I, I can ima- I'm imagining Patrick Isnorbo went with on the day mm-hmm. is that Tilio having the impact that he had in the semi-final against Adelaide when he came on around 70 minutes, was because of the state of the game. It's towards the end of the fixture. The lines are stretched. It's easier for a player like him to have an impact off the bench. But in a grand final, and you're you're welcome to to disagree, I don't think you can gamble on being level or being in with a sniff uh, against a Western United side who are known for taking leads and sitting on them. Um you can afford to take that gamble. I think someone who is so impactful um, should have started in this game. You can't go in with a mentality of, oh, we'll be level at 70 minutes and then we'll bring our impact player on to change the game. Because by the time Tilio came on in this game, it's and while he, he did done. make City yeah. better, the game was already finished. If you had have given him 45 minutes, particularly either to play alongside Florin Berenguer or start in place of Florin Berenguer, who still was very clearly, while he had a few good moments, uh, probably more off the ball than he did on, yeah. um, was clearly still being hampered by recovery yeah. from injury. No. Why couldn't he have started either in tandem or in place of Florin Berenguer? Because, well, by the time he came on, as we said, 
the game was already dead. Hindsight, hindsight is a beautiful thing, as we know, but it was tactically they were outplayed and they didn't really didn't move the chess pieces around much at all to change that up. You know, they're two 0 down at half time. You should be making three changes. You got three subs. You didn't make you make five changes to three at the one time mm. and mix it up because you're chasing the game. But it didn't appear to do it. So McLaren hardly touched it. Naboot looked. Um, Pedestrian at best as well, and and Leckie didn't have a, 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 that crash hotter game. The defence for Western United was outstanding. Kilkenny was controlling it in the middle as he has done the last few weeks. Yeah, and Previch, as we talked about, how dangerous he was at the front, uh, up front. Um, congrats to them. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful victory. Not one they'd probably go back and watch the game again. Maybe no. stick to the highlights, but um, it was good. A great crowd too. And one thing that I was very, um, very happy with, and you know, twenty two thousand. Is a very good crowd for those these two clubs. It really is, and the the green and black end made a lot of noise, and a lot of Western United fans. It was fantastic. Something for them to build on. Hopefully, we want to get uh, another team in Melbourne or in the A League built up. I was I was very impressed. With yeah, that. absolutely. Again, like like I was saying before, with the you know this time at the start of the A League season, would anyone have given Western United a shot of this result? Mm-hmm. Equally. Uh, while so there, while there were some people online who were like, "Oh, twenty two thousand, and we're celebrating," you know, do you not yeah. remember when A League Grand Final crowds used to be double this size or something like that? Well, I actually think that a given the regular season attendances of these sites, if you had have gone at the start of the season to someone and say Melbourne City and Western United will pull twenty two thousand people at mm. the Grand Final, every single person, even without the knowledge of how uh, challenging of a season it would be thereafter would absolutely have taken that. Absolutely. Uh, yep. And another thing we were we, we mentioned, uh, not only was it great to see that wall of green and black uh, on that sort of end, they, in terms of voice in this mm, game, they made some noise. as, as we thought might be the case, uh, they gave as good as they got against the City Actives. Yeah. I, I, I thought they made a, a great noise, and it really was, even though the game wasn't always the best watch for... Uh, a neutral um, because of the the nature of how it was played out and what Western were trying to do um, on and off the ball, it was still really pulsating because, or at least to be in the stadium because of that noise. It in had grand final, yeah. It, it it's so good because it, it it reminded me what this league can be and what it is when it's got. Those when it's great, when, yeah, when it's, it's got good. those yes, intangibles yes. around it, when it's got the little periphery elements, because two sets of active fans making noise turns a game that isn't that engaging of a watch into a real, real um, entertaining contest. Because you've got that rhythm and the tempo of of active fans making mm. that noise, really punctuating and accenting the game. It completely changes uh, the the product that you're looking at. If that had have been it. Simmons yeah. uh, in Geelong played in front of 5,000 people, I would not have analysed or looked at that game or enjoyed that game in the same way. But because there were so many people, uh, even though it wasn't the best football product, it was great. Agree. And I, and was, I was stoked with the number. 100% stoked. I, was, I agree with you completely. Um, and the venue only holds 28,000 too. The people, it's mm. actually not, it was all like it, there, was, there, was, there was gaps and there was holes, but it's almost full. There was 14,000 last year because the Sydney fans couldn't travel. 22 is is more than successful given crowds have been down the whole season and Australian sports crowd are down across all codes, not just football, right? All codes, the crowds are down. Yeah. So it's a result. Um, one thing that I read today, interesting enough, when you look at reviewing the season, 
Of the 226 fixtures of the A-League season, 113 of them were rescheduled. Mm. Half of the games didn't play when they were supposed to play. So we, 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 we had take some pot shots sometimes of the organisers and, um, and crowds and TV coverage and the rest of it. They've had to reschedule and make sure that the season finishes. So I'd like to just sort of send a congratulations or a warm round of applause at the fact that we did get there, you know. We had Wellington, we had Perth Glory based on the East Coast yeah. for a long time and had to reschedule all these games. And um, football fans found it hard to know when the team was playing and where the games were and Indeed. that kind of thing. And that Indeed. will add to the whole thing as well, you know. Having Monday games, Tuesday games, Wednesday games. We had games on every day of the season pretty much the last few weeks. So the last few months. So it feels like this season's gone for four or five years, but yeah. um, it's done. And I think uh, as good as some of the things to come out of the grand final were, I, I think you're making, you're raising the right things in the sense that we, we shouldn't gloss over all the, yep. the challenges that that have been faced this season. I mean, we have had so much stuff, um, good or good, bad and otherwise, yep. uh, more often than not bad or otherwise, happen this season that even the the month delay that we took at the start of this year to sort of allow everyone to catch up and you know let COVID sort Mm -hmm. of uh, travel through the playing groups and give them that immunity kind of thing I just forgot that that happened it feels like it happened two years ago it was the start of this year it's (laughs) unbelievable but to that end as difficult as this season has been at times to watch to follow um, to defend, all of those sorts of things, on and off the park. This grand final, being there in person, seeing both sets of active fans, seeing a team who have had their challenges and their external criticisms in Western United provide something to their fan base, yep. uh, to potential fans that gives them hope, this this did make me think, okay, m- maybe... And I, I don't know, maybe fallen for that bug again that oh next season will be might be better. You know, what? and when when the when the stadium in Tarnit's built, if they stick to ten or fifteen thousand seat mm. stadium, that they would actually make a lot mm. of noise at would be perfect, Look, right? And because we we get hung up on uh you know victory played at, at Marvel Stadium or whenever it used to be called, and they'd get forty thousand and stuff. It wasn't the right football stadium. You get the right rectangular football yeah. stadium like we've got in other parts of the country, then you don't need to work on numbers. You need to work on atmosphere and making it somewhere that people want to yeah. come back to. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I don't think all of the, the problems that we've dealt with this year will necessarily be fixed mm-hmm. by the start of next season. I don't know if they'll be fixed during the season. I can't guarantee any of these things. My level of trust for Australian football, pretty limited. But it was just nice to remember that when the A-League is good, it it can be it's great. really yeah. really really good because that noise, um, no, nowhere else in the in the country, uh, no other code is 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 doing that in the same way. There is nothing else like it, and we can, <laughs> we will hopefully someday recapture that and have it be a more a, regular I'm, thing. I'm a believer, like you, lucky. I think so too, and I think the. The uh, A-League All-Stars leading into that was quite a joyous watch on Wednesday night against Barcelona in terms of a nice crowd. And the crowd turned from cheering from Barcelona to cheering for the A-League All-Stars and seeing our young guns on display and that kind of thing. That is a, you know, a lot of people are sceptical over, you know, 
things like the kits and the squad Well, I mean, we were, we were pretty apathetic yeah, absolutely. going into it, for I sure. I'll hold my hands up. I jumped off the couch when Cole was going to put him 3-1 up, you know. Like, it was actually pretty exciting. But anyway, when when the football's good and football, it, it is really good. It's really worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I, I do want to touch on a few more elements to sort of come out uh, of the game. We've, we've sort of touched on the fact that maybe Patrick is Norbo I think has to hold his hands up for mm-hmm. for the way this game played out. Obviously, conceding a, a, an early goal is never ideal, but I think there are a lot of issues um, with the approach, with the changes, with the selections that, for me, co- cost his team the game. But yep. that's maybe giving too much of a focus to where City went wrong mm-hmm. and not enough of a focus to where Western United went right. Not just in this game but over the course of the final series. Because, I mean, cast your mind back to the start of of the series. Mm-hmm. Western United were limping into the finals. They went from a team who were right into the race uh, to finish top with City to sort of clinging onto that third spot and some of their fans legitimately nervous about the prospect of facing a Wellington side that who had comprehensively beaten them on a number of occasions during the season. So yeah. to go from where they were and to have battled through the injuries that they've had uh, to get to this result is a remarkable achievement. And it was great for the likes of those players who weren't able to feature Nikolai Topol-Stanley. Uh, Stephen Lustica obviously came back mm-hmm. for this game and played really well when yeah. he was on. And Alessandro Diamanti, Riston, who yeah. came back. There was just a, a lot of things to... Even if you do have your criticisms about Western United as a club, I think there was a lot of really nice narratives to um, dig into and feel for positively for Absolutely. about the Western United players. Which was better for you, Diamante changing into the full strip for the celebrations, or Josh Risden dropping <laughs> dropping some expletives? Oh, in his, in his, I think it has to. Thank yous. I think it has to be the Diamante the Diamante thing because I, I was right up close to that when I saw it I had to delete my I did tweet a photo of him wearing the full kit yeah uh, and so he was uh, going you know uh, John Terry style because uh, my I had to delete my original version of the tweet though because I captioned it as a uh, Alessandro Diamante was going full John Terry and yep. I think to go full John Terry okay, is uh, not particularly yeah, appropriate yeah. so that was swiftly <laughs> taken down yeah uh, but I I really really loved that and the other thing as well is there was some great redemption arcs, I think, in in this side that got to taste championship glory. I mean, as I said last week, Connor Payne is not a player that when he came to Western United, a lot of people really rated all that highly, and he's gotten this success. Was he headbutted? Do you reckon Jenkinson hit him in the head in that first in the first? Yeah, half? I don't know if it was, it was a close. red. I think they were both sort of toing and froing. They were, but a bit, yeah, handbags at four paces. Yeah, but it was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yes, yes, they redemption, also, correct. And yes. they also put together a side who just coincidentally, I think, were uniquely well-placed to be motivated to get a result yep. against City. Yeah, Kilkenny, who was uh, frozen out under Warren Joyce during his time at Melbourne City, despite being incumbent player of the season for City. Yep. You had Ben Garuccio, who obviously had uh, won the championship last year with City, but been well and truly second fiddle, struggled for game time. And prob- now, probably the biggest highlight of the season too with his Scorpion kick yeah, goal on top he's, of that he's had the, yeah. had the biggest individu- individual highlight of the season. He's finished as the A-League's team of the season left back ahead mm-hmm. of Melbourne City's uh, fullback yeah. options, might I add, and he's won the championship. And then Lockie Wales, a player who maybe didn't leave on bad terms internally with City, but 
was harangued consistently by City fans and he's been a crucial part of their season, of their finals run. And players like that, you kind of just have to feel happy for them because they they deserve it. Like I was I was stoked for Lockie Wales having having um rallied against a, a really difficult time at, at City to to push on in the way that he has and get this result. It's hard not to be happy for people like Absolutely. That. And you know who we haven't spoken about? John Aloisi. Yeah. Like what a, what a story. Talk about for, redemption yeah, yeah. arcs. Yeah, that's like probably John, the best John, one. John Aloisi, he gets his first coaching gig at Melbourne Hearts, right? Australian football legend. You look at his playing career, right? He's the, he's the first guy to play in all the big – first Australian to play in all the big leagues of the Premier League, La Liga and Serie A. Um, he comes back. Mariners, Sydney FC, Melbourne Heart as a as a player, and mm. um, gets the heart gig as a coach. Doesn't go very very well. No. He's in the wilderness for a little while. Gets a Brisbane Raw gig. Um, does quite well with Brisbane actually. He gets them quite up there. They were third and fourth and played in finals and stuff. And yeah, then he sort of gets. He, the, he was up against some pretty difficult circumstances in terms owners, of the ownership and, owners and all the rest of it. Yeah. Stuff, yeah, and then Victory didn't want him. That was the other story that they didn't want him as coach, and so. He's come down here. His family's remained in Brisbane as well. Oh, really? Yeah, as he's gone through the process. Yep. So a lot of, there's a lot of players in that Western United list, like Kilkenny and the rest of it. So with all the yeah, why well, killer? Yeah, we knew all about. the all the COVID um, issues and the state borders and things like that. So mm. John's been down here by himself, and um, he's getting massive, massive raps, and rightly so. He has been a, the master tactician and and got them the toilets. Yeah, absolutely. And look, has it has it been the most enterprising and engaging football to watch over the stretch if you're not a Western United supporter? Maybe not. But it has been effective and it has delivered a result that not just for the club but also for the individual. I don't think many people uh, would have said that John Aloisi would come back from the Melbourne Heart days or maybe even from the the Brisbane Raw days where, yes, he did make semifinals but, again, the football wasn't always Mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, It did have a bit of a dad's army feel. Um, that he would have come back from those those stints to be a championship winning manager in the A-Leagues. I don't think a lot of people would have penciled that in as Not an outcome. All. And yet, despite the criticisms of the style from some people, it has delivered um, a momentous result for him as an individual and a momentous result for the club. And now the wheels are already in motion, Jason, they are, they are. for this Socceroos legend to... Uh, go forth and, and, and maybe step into the uh, soon-to-be, you'd expect, vacant national team job. Well, now, Arnie's, Arnie's contract is to the end of this campaign. So whether that's um, in two weeks' time or six, seven months' time, mm. it, it ends this year. They'll be looking for a new coach. I'm well, sure. how, how do you see that sort of talk? Because John Aloisi at the has... Moment, at the moment, it's, it's newspaper talk. It's social media talk. They, they asked him the question and he said he'd be honoured to do it. And everyone's there... running with a quote. But there'll be a job. There will be a job available to coach the national team. Is there merit some from your perspective? Would you be happy with that? Because me personally, I think we should be massively pumping the brakes on this. <laughs> Why? Well, look. tell you what, if we don't, if we don't beat the UAE, then he'll get fast tracked in, get parachuted into the job pretty quickly. You're, you're, you're certain that that he'll well, he'll be next. I don't think they have the money to go after a big name coach and you've got a four-year World Cup cycle to begin again. So, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to... We'll see how it works. Anyway, I, I, I think we... I just think... We're jumping too soon. I think we are jumping too soon. I just soon, think, but can he, we maybe just... Let's not get caught up in 
the sort of the rush. I think we I think maybe it might be time to might be another chance for us Take not to okay. go after an Australian coach. As much as Andrews praised the strength of Aussie coaches and all that sort of thing, we have seen this style of football um you know, transition heavy, um, maybe a little bit more um, less possession focused. We have seen that have plenty of success in the A-League. Yep. And Graham Arnold also delivered heaps of results in the A-League with yep. a similar brand. Old people. And it old hasn't. Players, old players. And it hasn't worked at no. an international the, level. The so only I reason, just think. The only reason that it will happen, the same reason that MacArthur have appointed Dwight yeah, York, no. is that. Everyone in mainstream Australia knows who Johnny Aloisi is from a player, from, right? That's from, what, from a marketing point of view and the rest of it, that's yeah. the reason they From a PR it. perspective, it's yeah. it's a it's a no-brainer. And I, I will say this to you, I did an interview with John Aloisi uh, a, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. for, for the Green Room for Western United's club show. And after 15 minutes of sitting down with him, I mentioned to someone who was there on the day, that guy is going to be Socceroos manager. You just know that he will. Yeah. And I'm not, I am in no doubt that, it's a matter. It's probably a matter of when, not if for John. But I don't think the when is now because I, 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 like I said, we have had Australian coaches who have been massively successful in the A League playing a certain brand of football, and it hasn't translated to the national team role. We are just coming off that experience with Graham Arnold, whose yeah. style is not that dissimilar. No, I think. And, and, I think players wise too. I, I, yeah, older players. But, I think for Aloisi, it's it's. Too soon. I think that we just... I don't want to disrespect the achievement that he's been able to get with this title win, but let's just give him another season or two in the A-League, see but, how but, it but shakes out. We he, need consistency. Hear me out, hear me out here. He gets his brother Ross to sit next to him in the national team. We get that little anger in the tunnel and on the bench. We don't need... Uh, we need to do ang- something. <laughs> anger is not what we need. We're, we're missing we the point win. with all this win. sort of stuff. And I, and I would say the same thing about Tony Popovich. I do not want Tony Popovich as the Socceroos manager for the exact same reasons that I don't want John Aloisi as, as the Socceroos manager. This is true. At, well, at we- least Aloisi has, the, has more um, intense PR benefits. I think it will happen eventually, but yeah. I, I'm not ready for it to happen yet. I think... The only time we had a you know of Reese of late that we had an Australian manager who worked really well, mm. uh, we hound, certain people hounded him out the door and it was a complete disaster. The only one we had who really did a decent uh, job in some respects in terms of delivering a trophy for the national side, uh, we hounded him out of the the door and look where he is now. Well, we can hound, we can hound the current one in a second where we can go through the squad yeah. the Socceroos. Yes, yeah. exactly. One, one final point before we do yep. get into the, the, the Socceroos. Um, obviously, we, we've talked about all the good stuff to come out of Western United. I have just one final question because you are a Melbourne City fan. Yes. Uh, about City to reflect back on this season because it is it is a pretty bitter pill for, for them to swallow, I think, to, yep. to not just lose the grand final, uh, having finished top, having fancied themselves for it pretty much all season – and that's internal as well as external. Uh, to lose it to Western United, I think, would have been pretty painful for them as well, uh, given they are clubs that sort of deal with similar sort of issues off the yep. field at times. But I want to ask you, as someone who is a supporter of Melbourne City, and I've, I've put this question out to a few people over the last week, let's go back to the start of the season because we did the same thing with Western. Mm-hmm. At the start of the season... Melbourne City were coming in to this A-League campaign having done the the Premier and Championship double. Yep. They had hypothetically, or in some people's view rather, 
improve their squad. Having brought in Matt Lecky, Lecky a yeah. storied soccer having playing experience mm-hmm. in the, the top five leagues. So they were the reigning champions. They'd made their squad better. And at the end of the campaign, yes, they've won the premiership, but they didn't beat a single top four side in regular time all year, regular season as well as finals. Adelaide United was the first time they did mm-hmm. it in the finals. Yeah. They've been comprehensively outplayed in the grand final, which they have much more experience of playing in than a Western United, mm-hmm. for example, or some of the Western United players. Um, comprehensively outplayed. In the context of that, the reigning champions, they've made their team better mm-hmm. and they've lost resoundingly without having beaten a top four team regular time. Does this go down as, a f- like, and when you factor in the Asian Champions League too, does this go down as a, as a failed season for Melbourne City in your book? Is it a, a letdown? Is it a failure? Is I think, it, is I it think I th- worse? Yeah, I think it's a, less, a letdown because they come into the season, so they, they win the um, the Premier's plate, so it's not, and they go to the Asian Champions League, they didn't lose in the Asian Champions League, but they didn't progress. City Football Group from taking over the Melbourne Heart Licence and talking about success and success in Asia. And for them, it's got to be about winning trophies. And they would come into the final series expecting this time we're going to have Jamie McLaren, we're going to have um, uh, all of our Socceroos available for finals, which they did have. Um, the start of the season, they also, Nathaniel Atkinson was still on the books. He hadn't gone to Scotland just yet. And he's, you know, one of the shining mm. lights of the Australian team and the Socceroos. Sorry. Shining light of the Olympic team and the Socceroos. So, yeah, I think it is a failure. They would probably wake up going, we should have won that. We were the best team of the year. We finished yeah. on top and we've missed out and we're at home and you never get a better if, sort of if not, If not externally, then I think internally hmm. it will definitely be seen as a failure. And I really so. do hope that this, the way, the, not just the disappointment of losing the grand final, but the manner in which they lost the grand final. I do hope this brings about a bit of introspection for... For City, because my overwhelming feeling at the end of the game, particularly with Tilio not starting, coming on as an impact sub when the game was dead, is that maybe there's an extent to which Patrick is Norbo and City, like they don't, for me, don't actually have a fundamental understanding of what makes them good. Mm. Because you think back to the grand final last year, the best part of that grand final, which they won, was that the likes of Kolakowski and Tilio were given that chance, and, and they, yeah. and Atkinson as well. And they bossed it on the day. Yep. And since then, we've seen Kolakowski barely feature for minutes. He's probably out the door now. Mm-hmm. Tilio, despite being a strong player, hasn't consistently started um, because of this kind of standing order of respecting the appreci- uh, the experienced heads. You know, Scott Jamison, safe position despite the form of Geordie Boss yep. because he's the captain. Naboo. Matthew Lecky, soccer. Naboo, who, when was the, like, Naboo has not done, in my view, nearly enough to warrant his starting spot ahead of Atelio, for example, and yet he's been a consistent starter. I just hope, and whether or not it happens is another question, that the way things have, have broken for them invites them to think, what is actually good about our sort of city project? What sure. makes this I appealing... Think- both to our fans and to the outside world of Australian football. So we're going to, um, I guess the last few months, Berenguer was injured and Aidan O'Neill didn't feature as well, who we were pretty pretty key cogs in that team. We're going to lose Connor Metcalf to Germany. Um, Tilio, for more reports, is, is overseas. Uh, we'll, we'll head overseas as well. So there's a chance for them to reload and, uh, and have another look at it, I guess, which they'll probably be doing because I reckon they need a bit of a refresh. Yeah, well, they've already sprung for one fresh new uh, young talent, obviously mm-hmm. Callum Talbot coming across. 
from Sydney FC. I, re- I really do hope that he's um, he's not the last because I think that youthful zeal is is something they should be. They diverted from it need this year. Embrace. They need yeah, to yeah. they yep. need to lean into it more because it was actually what made their team, the championship winning team for me, uh, so appealing. Even if it was out of injury, even if it was out of necessity. So yeah, plenty of work to do. I think uh, at the drawing board for Melbourne City, but yeah, Western United they will go into next season uh, despite the expectations of many as reigning champions in season 2022-23 and maybe it might even by that point have some um some more socceroos in their squad maybe maybe some of the players that are there will be socceroos but um look we've got more potential caps or no caps um to talk about on the other side of this break here on the Oz Football Hour we're going to review the uh socceroos selection for the UAE qualifier and we'll uh, get into that on the other side of this Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it. Unbelievable kick. Well. We the big Socceroos squad. And now just two remain. The A-League grand finalists decide. Double intro music just playing there. Wow. I, I don't like the sound of my own voice. Yeah, the fact that I had to twice. hear it twice, not pleasant at all. Um, but we have got the Socceroos squad in. Mm-hmm. It is here. And a big selection, a big cap after all the clamoring, all this social media storm. Jason Cummings is in the Socceroos squad. He has been selected Oh, no, sorry, that's Jamie McLaren. Oh, my bad. They are such similar players uh, that I, I got them mixed up on the list. They've both represented uh, Scotland before. So at, least, close, uh, yeah. at least if you ask Graham Arnold, they're very similar players. So easy mistake for me to make. But, uh, yeah, the Socceroos squad is in, uh, despite my uh, very poor joke. Uh, no Jason Cummings. Uh, what did we make of this? Because there was, there was very, very, I think... Mixed reception would be the the charitable phrase to there describe is, the selection. What, but what did you make of it, Jason? Um, I looked at it. It was a very uninspiring selection, <laughs> I thought. That's the, the yes, word I can is, think that's of. that's another because, good word. Because the, camp, the campaign has stuttered for us. It's stuttered and it's spluttered along the last few um, internationals. And there's not many changes made to the squad to actually change that up for us. So if you look at it, this is, you know, this is the normal picks. But even if you look at it in terms of, Andrew Redmayne's in the squad. He's not even the best goalkeeper in the A-League, so he gets a spot. Danny Vukovic is off the bench yeah. as the second goalkeeper. So, you know, you need to, for me, refresh that a little bit. Um, they've picked a couple of returning Socceroos who haven't... Um, so if you're talking about form and they're picking players on form, then they've missed a, a few opportunities, we think, with Jason Cummings. Uh, that's an obvious one. Mark Birigidi, the other one. Um, Cam Devlin as well, potentially. Um so they've missed a few opportunities, but then they have got returning Socceroos. And I talk of Bailey Wright, who's just led Sunderland to a promotion. He's come back into the fold after a, a significant absence. Um, and Jason Davidson has been selected. Mm. And you would say that that's been on form as well. So he hasn't played for the Socceroos for seven years. We had to look that up. He hasn't played for seven years. So 2015 was his last cap. He's now 30. He's had a tremendous season uh in the uh, in the A League, he made the All Stars team. Played against Barcelona the other week. He did. Um, went off injured too. That's interesting. So we'll see how that goes with him. Um, so if you're picking players on form like that, you would think you would 
tend to look at a few others, but uh, they haven't. They've overlooked most of them, and he's gone with sort of the, the players that he's known and that he's trusted over the campaign. So let's hopefully they can get the job done. They've got a friendly against Jordan on Thursday morning and then the UAE and the big one that's uh, uh, 4 or 5 o'clock Wednesday the 8th. Well, I, I'm going to lean into some some really uh, unsurprising for anyone who is a regular listener of this show mm-hmm. um, or a regular listener of the station. Uh, I'm going to get into some very cynical areas. Here. Okay, go. go. Uh, because it was, as you said, an uninspiring team selection. A lot of... Uh, a lot of familiar faces being selected. Not a lot of change. Not the change that many hope to see uh, swing through this Socceroo squad. But here's, here's my uh, cynical take. Why are we surprised? Why are, why are we surprised? Sorry, but, but Graham Arnold has, has done this throughout the stretch of his Socceroos time. He has clearly got a, uh, a tendency to go with people who he knows, who he's worked with before, and who he trusts. Mm-hmm. That is, to me, that's not a shock. He, he, it's, you know, it's like no, the, it's, not, it's, it's like the shock, wolf no. saying to the sheep, like, I am going to eat you. And then the sheep being like, oh my God, I'm being eaten by the wolf. Like, th- this is, this is a consistent theme. We've seen it in all the Socceroos squads. It's the hope, it's the hope people, that kills you, Rocky. But people like Ryan Grant, even though he's dropped out of this squad, being picked, even though he's not necessarily in the top couple of right back Australian right back selections, mm-hmm. Andrew Redmayne, as well, in a crunch time, while other people outside are clamouring for change and for fresh faces, I think Graham Arnold, if I'm in his head, is on the opposite side of the coin. He's thinking this is really important. I can't afford to make a mistake or take a huge risk or a gamble. I need to go with the people I can trust, the people I know can get the results for me. And whether you like it or not, and I'm telling you now, I do not like it, yep. but this this is the way he operates. And I don't necessarily judge him for that, but I do think it's it's going to end up being his downfall because the players and the approach that he's picking um, are not up to standard. And since the, what is that, nine-game run that we had to to start things off when we were playing considerably easier teams, weren't even playing that well in my view. Uh, since then, nothing's really changed. Um, yeah, I, I just don't really get the the angst and the clamour because Graham Arnold has showed us his approach, tactically, selection-wise, for the whole campaign. Why are we shocked that it, that, that now we're not, nothing well, is changing? Like, it, it, We're not shocked. We just have hope, right, because this hasn't worked... It hasn't worked. I don't get why you'd, you'd have hope, but anyway. No, anyway. no. <laughs> it hasn't worked, and we're kind of hoping for some kind of X factor. So Tommy Rogic is out. So he's our X factor. He didn't play against Japan. and He's out for personal reasons, but they've chosen not to replace him. So there's a spot there. Like, it's not that they're saving money to actually bring someone in. There was talk of others. So who else are we missing? So... Jake Brimmer won the medal. There's talk of him maybe giving him a run in the but squad. I, I don't. I don't think so yet. I think that's. I think that's recency bias. I don't think yeah. anyone was talking about that before he. No, was but if he's picking on, on if he's picking on form, he gets the go. Jason Davidson's in the same boat, right? Yeah. No, it's it's fair, but I don't Cummings, think he was in the conversation. No, he before. wasn't. I think it was a bit of recency. Cummings bias, is not the same footballer as McLaren. Okay. Can, so, can we talk the, a little bit more about this? Because okay. this. So that's like, why he came back. and He said, oh, "I don't need him because I've got Jamie McLaren." Yeah. He, so. Adam, reading off the, the Adam Peacock tweet, he says yep. that he's a similar player to Jamie McLaren who got the nod in, instead. Uh, you know, his four strikers, Taggart, Duke, 
D'Agostino and McLaren all offer something different. Don't necessarily agree, but this this admission from Graham Arnold, a man who I will admit has frustrated me on a fair few occasions of late. Yeah, this was like my my breaking my breaking point, Um, because to me this comment about Jason Cummings. Uh, being a similar player to Jamie McLaren, it revealed one of three things. I haven't finalised uh, yeah. which one it is, and I, I can't can't tell. One of three things. Because anyone who's watched the A-League will tell you there is not a chance that you could mistake Jamie McLaren and Jason Jason Cummings for one yeah. another. Visually, uh, or the way they play. Correct. Neither way. Yep. So it's, it's one of three things that is at play here when Graham Arnold says something like this. He either hasn't watched Jason Cummings play... Mm-hmm in the A-League and he hasn't been watching the A-League men's, which is maybe improbable given he's picked other players who well, have performed Dagestino well in the Dagestino A-League on form. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, I yep. guess D'Agostino has had that under-23s experience mm-hmm. with Arnie as well. So he either hasn't been watching the A-League and seen Jason Cummings or he just hasn't been watching Jason Cummings. Uh, he has a fundamental misunderstanding of what the attributes the respective attributes of Jamie McLaren and Jason Cummings are. He just has completely misinterpreted them as a player yeah. because Cummings is a player who can use his body off the link, ball, bring others up. into yeah, play. McLaren, into sorry, yeah. but did you not see him play in the grand final? He does not. He's a great finisher. He's the best finisher in the league, but he doesn't offer those things. So it's either, the, it's either one of those two things or Graham Arnold has told the media a lie. He's, he's either hasn't watched him, he doesn't actually know how to analyse him properly, or he is straight up lying. And I don't know which one of those things is worse. Or maybe the other think, alternative yeah. is that he thought perhaps Taggart is a similar kind of forward to Cummings. Taggart is similar. Taggart's and a link he wanted guy. four yeah. different strikers. But even then, that's a lie because he didn't make the comparison no. between Taggart and Cummings. He made it between... Two players who are completely different strikers. Well, Cummings has also said that Graham Arnold has not spoken to him. So maybe he's never been even considered or even in the picture at all. It's just the, the media which, are talking about it and want him in there. Which when you consider the game that Jamie McLaren has just played in the final yep. relative to the season that Jason Cummings is coming off the back of, it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous that he's not even in... The squad. Conversation okay. with this player. It drives me crazy. I would have him in the squad too. There's eight A-League players in the squad. The soccer squad, there's eight A-League players and there's three uncontracted players that could potentially come back to mm. the A-League, right? So he is watching it. So he is watching it. He's just not watching it. He's just not considering him. He's he's a very stubborn man. He's so, sticking, yeah. sticking to his own process, okay. his own players. So, if, he, so, so if, he's, if he's watching it, he's either lying about being yep. similar or, or it's the, it's the um, he doesn't understand what he is. I think I think he's lying. I think he's told a lie. Maybe, yeah, I th- possibly. There's just no way you could honestly hold your hands up and say they are the same player. They're not. Taggart's back, which is good for that us. That is a good thing. No, I will say that is he good has thing. been scoring. He scored in his last couple, of, two out of the last three games, I think, in Japan, which is fantastic. Duke is one of his favourites. He goes to, which is interesting. But yeah, eight A League players and three uncontracted players. So you've got like Aziz Bayic, um who else is uncontracted? You've got oh, Mabil. Uh, Mabil was he's, uncontracted at the time of selection. Right. He's now going to Spain, which is mm-hmm. excellent. And his son-in-law is um, out of contract, Trent Sainsbury. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I always forget that. 
well, I always forget that. We pick your favorites and your selection. You'll probably be captain. Yeah, I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't really be shocked. But um, the the other small bone of contention, but smaller compared to Cummings, and I will admit a certain level of uh, blind spot mm-hmm. where it relates to this particular omission. Great to see Nathaniel Atkinson, a Hearts yep. fullback, is is getting uh, selected. Always pleased to see that. Must say, though, disappointed to not see Cam Devlin picked for this squad. Now, I know that he is coming off the back of a pretty long layoff. I know that since he's returned from said injury, he hasn't been a consistent starter. But I think the Socceroos have really lacked a steely presence in midfield. And I see that Ken, Ken Dougal is back into the Socceroos squad for this. Yeah. So maybe the intention is to have him be that outlet. But we've really lacked like a nippy steely, hard-nosed kind of player in the cent- in the centre of um, defensive midfield. Cam Devlin, despite the injury layoff in the Scottish Premiership, led the league in tackles. He played like 60 minutes after March in the league, and he was still ahead of the next nearest player in the competition. He is exactly what the Socceroos need in that position, in my mm. opinion. And the fact that he's... Look, I know he's still managing a return from injury. The fact he's not even in the squad in any capacity with a player coming out. Now, I know Rogic is not the same player. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. That and the other one, the other one who's not in the squad is Connor Metcalf. So if you're talking yeah. about form and A-League form and A-League players, he won, didn't he win the Alex Tobin medal? Yeah, and a surprise so, too, especially considering he... Midfielder. And he also seems like the kind of player who would be really appealing to Graham Arnold. He does have that kind of physical element to his game. He is really good at providing that sort of uh, third-man run, being mm. a penalty box threat out of midfield. So, yeah, that, that just really uh, baffling stuff for, for most people. Again, I can't say that I was, was shocked by it all. Uh, disappointed but not surprised is my, my go-to phrase. i got a funny anecdote about Kenny Dougal for you. Go for right? it. So my smart TV, when I, when I out loud cheer for Dougal, Google will come up and say, can you, can you say that again, please? Um, my, my Google smart TV, but no, it's, uh, I'm talking about Kenny Dougal. Anyway, that was the last <laughs> soccer game. Not that good. No, you know? I like yeah. it. I like it. I like it. But, yeah, look, despite the the clamouring and the questions around the squad, the reality is that this is going to be the group of players that will take us to a critical, critical game after the Jordan Friendly yep, so we've got coming th- up this week. Yeah, three weeks to go. So Jordan, Jordan Friendly on Thursday morning, and then uh, Wednesday morning we have a UAE knockout qualifier. If we get through that, we get Peru um, the Tuesday after. So it's a big few weeks for the Socceroos if we want to be involved in the in Qatar. It's re- it's it's really tough um, because obviously we're both standing here. We both want Australia to qualify for the World <laughs> Absolutely. Cup, but sometimes it can be very hard to see in the context of some of these things. It can be hard to see a path through. I want to go back to to the Tom Rogic thing just mm. really quickly. Um, because it kind of links into to what I'm saying here. Because yep. I did see a bit of flack coming for Tom Rogic after he left the squad for personal reasons, that the, the rumour rumor mill was in overdrive as to what the reasons might be, whether we were looking at a, at a potential uh, Roy Keane, um, <laughs> you know, situation yeah. here. Uh, but the people who were critiquing him uh, for deciding to step aside, regardless of what his reasons were, um, can get stuffed. 
yeah, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. If you're leaving for personal reasons, then it's a big deal. Yeah. You don't need we, to know, we, and we don't need to know. We have no idea. And, yeah, exactly. That was the thing, actually, that annoyed me more mm. than people critiquing him, was people that thinking that we have a – because it's an important moment in Australian football, that we have a right to know. No, we don't. No, we don't. People do not are not in your work life asking you really personal details about why you didn't turn up to work on Tuesday the 5th of May, why you left early at 4pm. No one's asking you those questions, and it's your right to keep that information to yourself. Correct. Just because you care a lot about the Australian national team, um, and most of the players do too, and it is generally seen as a big deal, not everyone feels that same sense of duty-bound obligation to stand by and push through all these circumstances to represent their national team. And so <laughs> if Rogic chooses not to play for Australia, irrespective of whether it's something really serious or he just doesn't want to play under Graham Arnold, it is his right to do so. Absolutely. It is absolutely his right to do so. And to, not only to do so, but to do so without being questioned why it is. So I hope Tom Rogic, uh, whatever personal reasons are the reasons that he's not in the squad. I hope that he's doing okay. I hope that he's not checking his Twitter. And I hope that in spite of his absence, the Socceroos, despite all my my ang- angriness about all of this, can still get through to the World Cup. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Whether or not that will be the case, uh, we'll see. Any any other matters to get through, Jason, before we, uh, before we head off? Uh, a few transfers, maybe? We should, uh, very, we very get quickly, uh, Kai Rolls in the Socceroos squad is, uh, by all reports, off to your mob, the heart, yes. which is fantastic. Um, good, good piece of business, I think. Mobile signed in Spain, which is fantastic for mm. us to have someone in the La Liga. And um, Lawrence Thomas is coming back uh, to the Wanderers, uh, former Melbourne Victory goalkeeper. Yes. So there are a couple of big news, but there seems to be a lot of players being released, players signing. We'll probably have a bit more next week, I guess. Well, I, I've got a fun fact for you, Jason, mm. um, on the on the Kyra Roll stuff. That, with his assumed signing, it's looking very, very close to being a done deal. Obviously, that makes him the third Australian at Hearts currently. Yep. But across the past five years, that's six players from Australia that Hearts have brought in. It, can can you, off the top of your head, think of a single other... Be- I, I think Scotland, at Hearts specifically, are the biggest importers of... Biggest European importers of Australian talent um, in recent times. Like Xanthi come... Close. They mm-hmm. came close in that one year, but over the stretch, um, Hearts have Hearts have really done a power of work to get Aussies into Europe, which is good. I mean, that's what we want. We want to develop young players in Australia and have them go overseas. And and if Scotland is a springboard for something else for them, fantastic. Or if they yeah. get get you some silverware, and even better. and despite what some would say, it is a good league to be making a stepping stone from. And Hearts are a good club to be well, stepping into bigger opportunities from. Kai and- Rolls, I think, will be a really a good fit. He's obviously got big shoes to fill. Uh, John Sutar going across to Rangers, uh, another player with an Australian connection. Uh, he's a really excellent ball-playing centre-back. I think that Rolls is not necessarily got those same attributes, maybe uh, more reliant on his physicality, sense of defensive positioning as opposed to ball progression. But I think he's got the physical skill set to do a really, uh, really good job in Scotland. I'm The only thing I'm disappointed about is that uh, Philip Chanchar was allowed, uh, went to Livingston. I would much rather have had him at uh, at Hearts, to be honest. There you go. Well, we'll keep an eye on the Scottish League with Ange and the rest of it. Yeah, anyway. we, look, so we, honestly, honestly, so even to satisfy my own personal curiosity, I don't care if it has zero <laughs> listeners, I will still uh, commit to like a, even a bit part show, huh. just going over all of them and speaking 
uh, to the right people. But yeah, plenty of um, like a, some a good few important transfers uh, taking place over the last week. Uh, it's a very long off season, as you know, Jason. We'll still be here, and uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty more transfers and Socceroos news uh, to talk about over the coming weeks. But that's where we're going to leave it for tonight on the the Oz Football Hour. Of course, by this time next week, we will be back at our usual Tuesday time slot, and uh, we'll either be no, no, we'll be pre- previewing the Socceroos UAE game. Yes, exactly. Yep. So we'll be very, very nervous. We will. Very, very nervous indeed. Well, look, I don't think the nerves are going to be it particularly good yet. from then until now. And uh, hopefully I'm not physically shaking by the time uh, you see us on back on air uh, this time next week. But until then, if you've missed any of the show, uh, you can catch it all on the FNR podcast platforms. We'll podcast the grand final review and our soccer selection review separately. So if you just want to get into either of those, if it causes you too much pain to think about mm-hmm. the Socceroos and you just want to talk about the early men's grand final, uh, the podcast platforms will allow you to do that. So FNR Football Nation Radio is the thing to search on any of your preferred podcast platforms. But until uh, next week, where you'll probably see a very nervous Lockie Flanagan and Jason Goldsmith uh, on the Oz Football Hour, it's goodbye for now. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbaroussis. Wow. Yeah. Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it. Unbelievable kick. Come on here.